0: This is the day, not only is it Memorial Day, but it's also Graduation Day, and so we are honoring our high school graduates, and so I have a special message for our graduates today that I think will apply to everyone in the room, but we're going to give special attention to those who are graduating today, so uh, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, please help us as we study your word this morning. Lord, this world uh, has been ordered by Satan. To uh, do everything it can to hinder the believer, but Lord, we understand that greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. And so, Lord, help us today as we study Your Word. So, we give a challenge to these young people in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles with me to Second Timothy. Second Timothy, chapter three and verse fourteen. Second Timothy three fourteen. This is our theme verse for the year. And I couldn't think of a more appropriate verse for today than this verse. Look at what it says. The Bible says, "...but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus." All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. So here's what God wants us to do. The Apostle Paul writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to this young man in the faith, continue in the things which thou hast learned. continue. Uh, this morning, I want us to remember some things. Look at Second uh, Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse 2. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Christ Jesus our Lord. Look at what it says in verse 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. He says, remember some things. Look at uh, chapter 2, look at verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. So remember the resurrection. Look at verse 13. If we believe not yet, he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying, The resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some." Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Look down at verse 22. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. This know also. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, "...as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution." But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And now we're back to where we started. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. How many of you think that those verses are good verses for high school graduates? It's almost like God knew what you're going to be walking into. You see, the reason that we have taken such care to teach you is because the Bible has told us what's coming. So I want you to remember some things today. First of all, I want you to remember that you're loved. I want you to remember that you're loved. First of all, you're loved of the Lord. And all you young people need to understand this. Nobody will ever love you the way the Lord does. No one. Your friends won't. Your teachers won't. Your pastors won't. Your parents won't. No one can ever love you with the perfect and holy love that the Lord has for you. And that kind of love, it has to be reciprocated. The Bible says we love because we were first loved. The Bible says that we don't even know how to love until we've been loved by God. First John is all about that. So we need to understand, as you guys go out into the world, you need to remember the love of God because there's nothing, that no rule will keep you right. No relationship will keep you right unless it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it's that law of love that reigns in our hearts. The law, the Old Testament law is not going to keep you right. All that will do is destroy you because you'll see there's no way for you to keep it. What's going to keep you right is the love of Jesus Christ. That love, it's so important that you understand that. Remember that you're loved. And then, remember... You remember you're loved by your parents. You're loved by God, but you're loved by your parents. Um, I I wrote it down this way. No professor, no friend, no commercial or advertisement will ever love you like mom and dad. Nobody's ever going to love you that way. And, you know, what will happen is you, you go out and you make new friends, and I hope that you do. And you make new friends, and some of them will be godly friends, some of them will be ungodly friends. And as you make these friends, they will try to lead you down a particular path. That's what people do. They always want you to go their way. And they'll say, Look, if you're my friend, you'll do this. The thing that you always have to remember is you don't have a better friend than your mom and dad. Nobody loves you more than your mom and dad, other than the Lord. That's it. Remember that love. And uh, I think all of us will remember this. I can't wait to get out of the house. I cannot wait. Um, you know what you're going to find out? You're going to find out pretty quick how smart your mom and dad were. <laughs> you know, it, it, it is amazing. And I, I want to give you some of the best advice that I could ever give you. Don't ever take advice from a loser. Right? You have some person and you can tell by the choices they're making in life that they're just losers and they're going to give you advice on how you can make your life stink as bad as theirs does. Look, nobody loves you more than the Lord. Nobody loves you more than your mom and dad. You're loved. You're loved. Remember that as you go out. And then remember that you're loved by your pastor. Um, Pastor Nathan and I we pray for you, we invest our lives in you, we weep over you, we care about the decisions that you're making. This is not a job for us. This is not a job for us. Um, How many of you want to sign up for a job that pays less than the average, you work about 100 hours a week, and most people complain about you? (laughs) Who's ready for that? (laughs) Well, look, And look, you guys pay me fine. All that's great. But listen, we don't do this because we can't do anything else. We do this because God has called us. And the Apostle Paul, uh, as a pastor, I see the heart that he had for Timothy. Look, you know my life. You know what we've invested in you. Remember it. Just, just remember it. Remember that you are loved. Um, I care about your future, and I care about your choices. Um, I'm gonna, we're we're going to give them bracelets in a minute that says, What would Pastor Jim do? <laughs> How many of your parents say, Please don't give them that bracelet? <laughs> Jimmy, put your hand down but just think about it you know something that you could use somebody starts arguing with you about the lord somebody starts bringing you some silly theological position think about what would pastor jim say think about well, there are arguments for these things and we're going to get to some of that in a minute remember that you're loved by the lord by your parents and by your pastor and then remember what you've learned remember what you have been taught this is something that's very important. Some of you go to Christian colleges. Some of you go to state schools. Some of you go into trades. Whatever you do, I want you to understand something. We didn't come to our positions by accident. I'm, I'm very thankful that my dad was a preacher. I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful that I grew up in a Christian home. I'm thankful that after I went into the public school for uh, until I was in sixth or seventh grade, that I was able to go to a Christian school. I'm thankful that I was able to go to Bible college. I'm thankful for all of those things. But that's not where i got my truth i didn't get those things because i went to a certain school i got those things because they come from the word of god Uh, there came a point in my life when i was in my early 20s late teens early 20s where the christians that were in front of me were such lousy christians this was not my family this was a college i was in and people were behaving so horribly as christians that i said i can't take this anymore i'm out moved to chicago working in the water tower place and clothing store and just I'm going to be my own man now. And so what I started doing at that point was I said, I'm going to find out what the truth is. I'm going to find out what's right. And I started studying the Bible. I studied Christian philosophy. I studied apologetics. I dove into all of those things. You know what I found out? What my dad had taught me was right. The, the word of God the foundational truth from Scripture, it was right. Um, I'm going to make a statement that's very difficult in today's culture to receive. I'm going to say it this way. We're right. We're right. The world doesn't like that. Who are you to say that you are right? My name is Jim Alter, and I'm right. You know how I know that I'm right? Because this is the foundation of everything that we believe. We're right. Um, Remember what you have been taught. Remember the love of Christ. Remember the importance of the local church. We're going to talk about that here in a little while. One of the things that can become difficult when you're in college is to stay focused in church. Now, listen, if you're going to a college or you have started on a program that keeps you away from the local church, let me just tell you something. That's not God's will. If you do that, you are outside of God's will. The Bible says that Jesus Christ died for the church. If you don't have time to go to church, you are out of God's will. Now, I'm not saying you're going to go to hell if you miss a church service. Two, you're done. No, I'm not saying that you're going to go to hell if you miss a church service. What I'm saying is if you start ordering your life now... Away from the only institution that God has chosen to impact this world, then you're going to destroy your life. And I know what you're thinking. You know people that are out here that went away from the Lord who came back. Praise the Lord. Please, if somebody's away from the Lord, come back. But do you realize how many people go away from the Lord and never come back? Let's not gamble with that. Let's not gamble with that. You know, not everybody who's not an electrician who reaches into an electrical panel dies. So let's all go reach into an electrical panel. Any volunteers? No. Let's be careful. You raised your hand. Did you raise your hand? you want to do that? That's because you're dumb. (laughs) Um, Remember... Can't you just feel the love in here? Remember the love of Christ. Remember the importance of the local church. And then remember the authority of the Word of God. The authority of the Word of God. Here's what happens, in the, especially in the college-university structure. These, pressor, these professors are put before you as experts. And many of them have worked diligently on their field. And we should respect them for the work that they've done. Would you all agree with that? But sometimes professors are really wrong. They've invested themselves in things that are really, really wrong. So remember the authority of the Word of God. Remember we've talked about this that there are four authorities in Christianity, four authorities, and they're all based on the Word of God. The first is traditional Christianity, and their authority is the Word of God and and, and tradition, the Word of God and tradition. Um, so you know, purgatory is not found in the Bible. And so if you're in a traditional church, they'll teach you purgatory because they're, they say that their authority is the Word of God and tradition. But if there's ever a conflict between the Word of God and tradition, tradition always overrules the Word of God. All right? That's wrong. That's wrong. There's a second kind of group in Christianity. It's charismatic Christianity. And their authority is the Word of God and experience. And so rather than giving you scripture, they'll always tell you about something that happened. Let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you what happened to me. Well, really, is the Christian life about you? Or is it about Jesus Christ? And so what they'll say is um, they'll talk about some experience or some tongues or some healing that they've seen. And I've never seen a faith healer restore limbs or raise the dead. When they do that, then I'll believe in them. Okay? But what they'll do is they'll have this idea. They'll throw all of these ideas of experience out at you. And then when you'll say, well, the Bible says this, they'll say, but you don't understand. You weren't there. And what's going on? They have dueling authorities, the Word of God and their experience, and their experience overrules the Word of God. Well, that's wrong. There's a third group that you're going to run into, and this is the one that I want to focus on you for this morning, and that is this. It's evangelical Christianity. It's modern evangelical Christianity. It's the the K-Love Christianity, the W-E-E-C Christianity. It's the Christian Radio uh, Christianity. And that is where they have dueling authorities, the Word of God, and scholarship. The Word of God and scholarship. And that's their authority. And if there's ever a conflict between the Word of God and scholarship, their scholarship always overrules the Word of God. And they manifest it. They show it to you in this way. Well, that verse isn't found in the best manuscripts. This verse may be genuine. A better word would be as if they know more than God about how to preserve His Word. There's a fourth group In Christianity. And that's us. This is how you've been raised. And that is this. God said it. That settles it whether I believe it or not. We are Bible believers. Our authority is not any man. Our authority is the Word of God. The people that I would call to ask a question about the Bible or about how to pastor this church... The people that I would respect and trust and who I go to for counsel are people who believe this book. This is their authority. There's no man that is an authority over the Word of God. Remember what you've learned. Remember what you've been taught. The importance of the Word of God. Then, the importance of His creative power. We're going to talk about this in a minute. But remember, Jesus Christ is your creator. He can do whatever He wants with you right we're going we're going to talk about that in a minute remember the importance of his creative power then remember his demands on your life remember his demands on your life um, one of the big feelings that all of us have when we get to be your age is i can't wait to be free i love the guys that join the military so they can do what they want <laughs> they really do that you got to get up at this time. you got to go to bed at this time. You've got to march here. You've got to stand here. You've got to wear here. You've got to have your hair cut here. You got to do... It's hilarious. And you're thinking, I want to go back and live with mom. If I cried enough, she'd give me what I want. <laughs> Anybody ever cry to their sergeant? How's that go? <laughs> now, here's the deal. You need to remember that God has a plan for you. In all of your plans, always remember God's plan has to come first. But here's the good news. The Bible says if you love him, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He'll give you the desire and the ability to do what he wants you to do. So as long as your heart is inclined to the Lord, well, then he'll allow you to do what you enjoy. You know, I would do a job that I hated to feed my family. Wouldn't all, all, all you men, wouldn't you do that? that? That's what we would do. But, man, if I have a choice, I'd rather do something I enjoy. Right? So remember that God uh, God's demands on your life. And then always remember this, his soon return. You know, Jesus Christ is coming back. Wouldn't it be a bummer to be doing something really stupid when the Lord returned? You know, remember he's coming back. Then, so remember that you're loved. Remember what you've been taught. And then remember the truth that you have been taught will be attacked. Just, just be prepared for this as you go out. You know, this is Memorial Day, and I can't help thinking about our military. One of the things that they do is they train them in such a way that, look, if you're attacked this way, this is what you're supposed to do. If we're attacking these people, this is how they're going to behave. We have out in California, we have this whole proving ground set up to where a military, they'll, they'll do formations the way that a particular other nation would fight so that our guys can know how to fight them. Well, that's what God has done for us. He's told us what the world is going to be like. We've just read the passage. He's told you how to prepare for that. And that's what I want to do for you this morning. I want you to remember the truth you have been taught will be attacked. So creation will be attacked. The the truth that God created, the heaven and the earth, in six literal days, that's going to be attacked. It's going to be attacked in two ways. Old earth creationism. These are the people who believe that God did create the earth, but six days, those days that are identified in Revelation chapters 1 and 2, or in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, that those are not literal 24-hour days. Well, the only problem is the Bible tells us they were. So if those things aren't true... Then your need for salvation isn't true because the reason that we must be saved is because a literal man named Adam sinned. For as in Adam, all die. So the Bible says For as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For as by one man, man all die, so as by one man, shall all live. If, if Adam didn't sin, then Jesus Christ didn't need to die for that sin. The foundation of everything we believe is based in the reality and the word-by-word truthfulness of the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. So either there's a literal six-day creation or God lied, and if God lied, then our whole hope for the future is gone. So remember, you will have really highly intelligent and well-educated people who have uh, studied astronomy and physics and all kinds of things who will come to you and they'll try and teach you that those can't be six literal days. Well, the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. The Bible says, thy word is true from the beginning. Every bit of this word of God is true. There's another attack on creation that they will give you and that's theistic evolution that God used evolution to create the world. The only problem is there's no such thing as evolution, so God couldn't use something that doesn't exist. If he had chosen to create evolution, he could have done that, but he chose to create the world out of nothing. That's what Jesus Christ did. He created, and we know that it's Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So when Jesus Christ made Adam, He didn't make him as a little cell, He made him as a grown man. That's what the Bible says. If someone tries to bring you something else, it's not true. Our position on creation, it will be attacked. I'm not going to take the time to go there, but Jesus told us that would happen all the way in the book of Revelation chapter 2. Now, so remember that creation will be attacked. Then, if you go to a Christian college or if you go to a secular college and end up in, in some kind of a student organization, one of the things that you will run into is Calvinism. Calvinism is the teaching that God chose some people for heaven and some people for hell. Calvinism is the teaching, and it's based on the TULIP acronym, total depravity. And so we understand that every man's a sinner. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Is that right? That's not what total depravity means. Total depravity means that you... What they say it means is that you are dead in your sins and that you are incapable of responding to the gospel because of that. That's what total depravity means. But the Bible says... Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, For whosoever shall taste of the water of life freely. The Bible says, Come unto me, all ye who are labored and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So, total depravity is unscriptural. This idea of total inability, it's unscriptural. Remember, you're going to be attacked with Calvinism. Total depravity is wrong. Unconditional election is wrong. What unconditional election is, is that God, based on His sovereign pleasure, created some people to be saved and created some people to go to hell. That's what Calvinism teaches. Well, the Bible says very clearly in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing... That any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So it's God's will that all come to repentance, that all get saved, and that none would perish. That's God's will. That's what God's will is. So if somebody tells you that it's God's will, based on His divine will, that He created some people to be saved and some people to be lost, that is completely unscriptural. That's New Testament. Listen to what the Old Testament says. This is Ezekiel chapter 18. The Bible says, For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore turn yourselves and live ye. Do you see that? Turn yourselves. Turn yourselves. See, the Calvinist teaches that what God does is he overrules the will and requires you to be saved. God says in the book of Ezekiel, Turn ye. That's what it says. So, total depravity. Unconditional election. They're both unscriptural. Limited atonement. Limited atonement. Limited atonement teaches that Jesus only died for those who would be saved. He didn't die for those that are lost. That's what it teaches. And I've got to tell you, this, is, this Calvinism is the predominant teaching now in evangelical Christianity. Are you telling me that Jesus Christ only died for those that would be saved? That's, they say that. They make that statement. I heard John MacArthur say it this way. Jesus Christ d- tasted death for every man who would ever believe. But that's not what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9 says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. That means every man. That's who he died for. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 2, and He is the propitiation. That's the satisfactory atonement. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus died for everybody. So when you're confronted with Calvinism, understand it is a completely unbiblical argument. It has no basis in truth. Then, irresistible grace. So total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace. Now, some of you adults... um, It's important that these young people know this. So bear with me as I'm teaching this, okay? It's very important that they get this. So total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, and irresistible grace. The idea of irresistible grace is what I mentioned to you earlier. It's the idea that if God has created you to be saved, you'll be saved whether you want to or not. That because you're dead in your sins as a sinner, your will is completely turned away from God. So the only way that God can save you is against your will. That's what irresistible grace teaches. Let's see what the Bible says. In Acts chapter 7, verse 51, Stephen preaching, he said, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. They resisted the Holy Ghost. So irresistible grace is clearly unscriptural. Listen to what Jesus said. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings? Listen, and ye would not. This is what I want. You won't do it. So apparently, God's grace can be resisted. Now, it's really dumb to do so. Right? And yet, the Bible makes it very clear that His grace is can be resisted, so I want you to remember how it's going to be attacked you're going to be your faith, what you have been taught will be attacked through uh, creation, a false view of creation it'll be attacked through Calvinism, a false view of salvation. Uh, the other end of Calvinism is what's called Arminianism, and these are people who believe that you can be good enough that you can work your way to heaven. That there's a, that you, you do have to be saved by faith, but you also have to accompany that faith with works in order to be saved. That's completely false. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his mercy he saved us. That's, the Bible is very clear on that. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible is very clear. You cannot work yourself... To heaven. All of our uh, righteousnesses are as filthy rags, the Bible says. So you'll be attacked with Calvinism, and you'll be attacked with a works salvation. Both of those are false. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ by the Word of God. That's where salvation comes from. So remember, your, your faith will be attacked. What you've been taught will be attacked in the area of uh, creation, in the area of Calvinism and salvation. And then in the area of criticism. Biblical criticism. Now, you understand that we here at Grace Baptist Church that we believe that the King James Bible is God's preserved word in the English language. All right? That's what we believe. Um, if you go to a Christian college, if you go to a secular college, they don't believe any Bible. Okay? If you go to a Christian college, many Christian colleges mock our position as if it's very uneducated. All right, now... If in order for me to be educated, to be considered educated, I have to give up my confidence in the Word of God, I'll stay uneducated. And here's the reason. The difference between our position on the Bible and many Christian colleges and other churches. And look, I've got to step back and I've got to say this. I'm not saying those people don't love the Lord and I'm not saying they don't love the Word of God. I know many very godly people who have a different position than us on this. All right, But here's the difference between us and them. We believe in the preservation of the Word of God. They don't. They don't. Let me give you some scripture. Turn, and, turn to these verses with me. I want us all to look at these. Look at Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 1. Let me do a little parenthesis right here while you all are looking for that. Let me tell you why I'm preaching this sermon. I've been doing this for a long time now. I've been around this for a long time. And I have seen so many young people who go out into the the college system and they are swayed into other positions by pressure. And what I want our young people to understand is this. As I said before, we didn't come to these positions by accident. And all of our positions are studied and informed positions. We do question and answer every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night. And if somebody asks me a question I don't know the answer to, I'm happy to say I don't know, but we'll go search the scriptures and find the answer to that. I'm not an expert on everything. I'm not an expert on the Bible. But I've learned enough about the Bible to have faith in it and to know that the answers are there. All right? And so, let's go to Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 1. My son, keep my word. Is that what it says? What's it say? Words. And lay up my commandments with thee. So, when it says, keep my words, this is the problem with most of Christianity. Most Bible scholars do not believe that they have the words of God. They believe in the broader word of God. What they believe is that God has, that, that we have the ideas that God wanted us to have, whether we have the actual words or not. We believe God kept the words. Amen. That's the difference. All right? Go with me to John 14.23. John 14.23. Let's see if our, as, as we look through these scriptures, let's see if our position on the Bible is biblical. Imagine that. Look at what it says. So we're in John fourteen twenty three. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my word. What's it say? Words. If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So Jesus Christ said, if you love me, keep my words keep my sayings and then he told these disciples I'm going to leave I've told you what I was going to say while I was here when I leave I'll send you the Holy Spirit and he'll bring to remembrance every word every bit of it they wrote it down and then God preserved it for us in the word of God we have every word we have every word look at Romans chapter 10 verse 17 Romans 10 verse 17 this is where this becomes so important a man is saved by faith is that right we're saved by faith, not by works. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Either we have the Word of God or we don't. Either God's preserved it or He has not My salvation is based on that. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Oh, let's skip that. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And I want you to see this. I want you to see how our belief in the creation of the world is linked to our belief in the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. He made it all out of nothing, and we believe that. He did that by the word of God. So our belief in creation is the same as our belief in the scriptures. You can't separate them. It's interesting, the people who don't believe in a literal six-day creation, none of those people believe in the words of God. Those people who believe in theistic evolution, none of those people believe in the preservation of the words of God. It's interesting. Your belief in the Bible will protect your belief in creation. Your belief in creation will help protect your belief in salvation by grace through faith in our need for a, sacrifici- uh, uh, for a, a substitutionary sacrifice in Jesus Christ. We understand all of that by the words of God all the way back in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Um, look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. A message for graduates. This is so cool. Follow your heart if you want to go to hell. Jiminy Cricket theology. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. See, this word of God is so important, our salvation is dependent on it. If the Bible's not true in every word, then we're lost. It's very important that we get that. Look at... um, Well, we'll stop there on that subject. Don't worry, we're not done. Um, All right, so we need to remember that some things that we have been taught will be attacked. Creation's going to be attacked. There's going to be the attack of the gospel through Calvinism and through Arminianism. There's going to be an attack on... um, through textual criticism of the Word of God. But here's another attack that you're going to face. It's soft evangelicalism. Soft evangelicalism. And it goes something like this. Can't we all just get along? You know, do you love Jesus? That's all that matters. You know? Look, I think Mother Teresa probably loved Jesus. She's burning in hell right now, but she loved Jesus. Why is she burning in hell? And how about all the people that she taught? They're all burning in hell. Why? Because she didn't believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, there are some things that people who love Jesus are wrong on because they don't believe the Bible. And so what happens is um, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Mere Christianity. And he attempted to dumb down Christianity to its lowest common denominator to where it was merely Christian. And so this idea that, oh, baptism, that's secondary. Um, Eternal security, that's secondary. That's not really important. Um, Believing in the preservation of the words of God, that's not really important. And where that ends up is we don't need to separate from Catholicism. We don't need to separate from the emerging church and all this, this false teaching that's coming out because they love Jesus. And I'll tell you where you're really confronted with uh, this, the way that you're really... Um, Christian concerts, you know, there are, there are Christian singing groups and they're Catholic. They're not even saved. Now, if you're here, you're a guest and you're Roman Catholic, the gospel makes it very clear. We've already talked about it. Salvation is by grace through faith alone. If you're trusting in your church to take you to heaven, you're just going to go to hell. Right? And I don't, I'm not this, that's, I'm not being mean. Not at all. I want you to go to heaven. You go to heaven by understanding that you deserve to go to hell and that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and lived a sinless life, died on the cross and rose from the dead, proving that He was God to pay for your sin. And if you'll repent of your sin and acknowledge Him as your Lord, He'll save you. And that's it. That's it. If you think that you've got to be baptized or do penance or... or keep things in order to go to heaven, that's that Arminianism that I was talking about. That's that works salvation that's false. And so young people understand this. A lot of these Christian singers, they're not saved. Or those who are saved, they know so little about the Bible that they'll allow anybody to come in if they speak religiously. Let's see what the Bible says about that. Go to Romans chapter 16 and verse 17. Truth matters. All right? Truth matters. Don't let anyone ever tell you that's not important. Romans 16 and verse 17. Now, this verse won't mean anything to you if you don't know what the, best, the rest of the book of Romans says. I challenge you to read the book of Romans and see what doctrines he's talking about. But look at verse 17. I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. So if you have somebody that's bringing in another doctrine and trying to divide believers based on false doctrine, mark them, that's identify them, and avoid them. Stay away from them. That's very clear. And it doesn't matter if they're a good friend. It doesn't matter if it's a college professor. It doesn't matter if it's a pastor. If I start teaching something that's not in this Bible, mark me. Say, that church is teaching false doctrine. It's very important that we get this. Our authority is no man. Our authority is the word of God, There's another person you're supposed to mark. Look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me. This is Paul as he's writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Be ye followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. So find people that are not enemies of the cross of Christ and mark them and follow them. Mark those that are in error and separate from them and mark those that are doing it right and follow them. It's real important. That's, that's an understanding of true Christianity. Evangelicalism, soft Christianity today, is not separating from anyone. They don't believe in separation. They literally don't believe in it. Let me take a minute and just explain that to you. Here's what happened. The end of the 1800s, modernism, the teaching that the Bible's not true, started coming into the seminaries. And so a group of men, they were um, a few of them were Baptist, Most of them were um, Presbyterian, Anglican, Presbyterian, Methodist, and some Baptists. They came together and wrote a group of books called The Fundamentals, little pamphlets. I've got some in my office I could show you. And these were fundamental things that they said every Christian ought to believe. And th- those things were pretty good, all right? But what they did was they they said, these are the fundamentals of the things that you need to believe. That's where the term fundamentalist came from. I'm a fundamentalist. I believe in those, those fundamental doctrines that they were talking about. So what happened was people stopped talking about things like baptism, the Lord's Supper, eternal security. All of those things, they went away, and doctrine became less and less and less important in Christianity because of the fundamentalist movement fighting against modernism, all right? So that's what happened. Well, now, if you talk about doctrine, you are divisive, you're mean, and you're not, uh, you are not—you don't have the love of Christ. That's the understanding in Christianity. But the Bible's completely opposite of that. So where's all this going? There's going to be a one-world church, and Satan's going to be the head of it. How about we don't contribute to that? How about we say, let God be true and every man a liar? How about we stand on the truth of the Word of God kindly, lovingly, but if somebody disagrees with that, you can say, you know what, I'm sure that you love the Lord. This is what the Bible says. I'm going to stick with the Bible. All right? Remember, you're going to be attacked. You're going to be attacked with soft evangelicalism. Um, Then, remember that your life belongs to God. Remember that your life is not yours. It belongs to God. Look with me at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse 20. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are gods. How are we going to do that? Look at verse 18. Flee fornication. That's sexual sin. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? You're not your own. Your body belongs to God. Glorify God in your body. Remember, you belong to God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Look at verse 23. Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. You know, you might go to a college graduation someday and some knucklehead will stand up and say, serve your fellow man. How many of you have heard somebody say something like that? What is that person saying? That they know nothing about the Word of God. And maybe we should not take that person's advice. Amen? Look, we're not supposed to be the servants of men. We're supposed to serve God. And if we're serving God, then we will know how to serve men. Right? We'll do it biblically. So remember, remember, your life belongs to God. Always be looking for ways to serve Him. Look at 1 Corinthians 10. Always be looking for ways to serve Him. 1 Corinthians 10. Look at verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. So you want what is this? Everything you do, eating and drinking serve God, bring glory to God. How many of you think it brings glory to God to get drunk? How many of you think it brings glory to God to drink alcoholic beverages? The Bible says abstain from strong drink. You know what abstain means? Don't do it. Don't do it. What is strong drink? Anything that's fermented these days, because when that was written, the fermentation uh, process that we have now didn't even exist. Anything that's called alcohol now, whether it's wine or beer or anything like that, It's way stronger than anything they were talking about in the Bible. Don't do it. Bring glory to God. I could show you 200 verses in the Bible that are against drinking. You're going to go and some Christian will tell you the Bible doesn't say anything about drinking. That just tells me that person's probably never read the Bible. Don't drink. I mean, you can drink water. That's okay. Um. You know, what, you know what this is? You guys can tell. You know what this is? I told my Sunday school class. I was thinking, there's some stuff that I've always wanted to tell our graduates, and it doesn't ever seem like there's the opportunity. And then I remember, hey, I'm the pastor. I can take a church service and tell you everything I've ever wanted to tell you. And that's what I'm doing. Hope you all brought a lunch. So remember, your life belongs to God. Always be looking for ways to serve Him. And then, this is real important. Remember, his plan for your life is through the New Testament church. I mentioned earlier that if you don't have time to go to church, then you're not in God's will. And if you're in a study program that won't allow you to go to church, then you need to go to another school. Because there are colleges that allow you to get pretty much any degree that will encourage your activity in church. Um, Look with me at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21. Ephesians 3.21. I want you to see that what we're talking about... Man, I'm not making it up. This is, this is just the Word of God. All right, Ephesians 3.21. Unto Him, that's God the Father, unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. So according to the book of Ephesians, the way that you're going to bring glory to God is by Jesus Christ in the church. So if you're not involved in the church, you can't be bringing glory to God. Now, look, I know all of us know people, well, I worship God in nature. Really? So have nature preach your funeral. I'm busy. That's mean. I know. I mean, I don't know why I'm acting mean today. Um, it's just, you see how that thinking is silly? You know, how can you have fellowship with nature? Come here, squirrels. You know, you can eat them. Um, We bring glory to God through Jesus Christ by our service in the church. Amen? And that's why you all are here. This is definitely preaching to the choir, right? But But my desire for you is all of us. And I know you guys know people. They get out of high school and they stop going to church. That's the worst mistake that you can ever make. Now, there are some churches I'd rather you not go than go to those churches, right? But find a good Bible-preaching church. And here's the other thing. If God moves you away from here, and the only church in that town is a church that loves the Lord, they love the Bible, they do some things that are a little differently than what we teach here, well, jump in and get involved and love the Lord, Okay, serve God through the local New Testament church. The Bible doesn't tell you to find a church that's just like Jim Alter's church. This isn't my church. This is the Lord's church. I just get to be pastor. But follow me as I follow Christ. The things that I do that are biblical, try and find a church that does those things. But always stay involved in a local New Testament church. Because look, you can't serve God without being faithful in church. You can't be glorifying God without being involved in church, because that's God's plan for this age. It is so clear in the Scriptures. Then, then, remember how to think. You're going to go to college. You're going to have professors that can confuse you depending on the place that you go. Remember how to think. Have confidence in the Bible. First of all, have confidence in the Bible as it's written and as it's translated in your King James Bible. Have confidence in it. You can understand this. You you might not know Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, but you can understand the Bible. Um, Then have confidence in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says you have no need that any man teach you. If you have the Holy Spirit of God, you have a King James Bible, you can know God. Believe that. Have confidence in the Bible as it's written, as it's translated. Have confidence in the Holy Spirit. He'll guide you and you can trust Him. Have confidence in the Bible's ability to define itself and interpret itself. Have confidence in your ability to know the truth, believe the truth, discern the truth, and to remember the truth. Look, you know what I want you to do? I want you to continue in the things that thou hast learned and been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. You've learned them from the Word of God. You've learned them through the Holy Spirit. You've learned them from Pastor Jim, from Pastor Nathan, from your Sunday school teachers, from your Awana leaders. You've learned them from godly parents and godly homes. Remember, continue. If you'll do that, God will give you the greatest life that you could ever imagine. I'll tell you one last thing. I literally, I want you to know this, Laura and I have the greatest life in the world. It's wonderful. It is wonderful. Is there stress? Yeah. Is it hard sometimes? Yes. But I'm just telling you, there is no better life than a life given to serving God. When you compare the life of a believer who's committed to the Word of God And then, in marriage, they're committed to each other through the Word of God, who have a desire to raise their children to love the Lord. When you compare that home to a home, whether it's a home full of Christians or lost people, the joy in the Christian home, it so far surpasses anything else that's out there in the world. I don't care how much money you earn. I don't care how much fame you get. There's nothing better than the joy and peace that comes from knowing the Lord and submitting to His Word. That's my desire. That's my dream for you. That's my hope for you. Serve the Lord. Love the Lord. Know His Word. Defend His Word. Lead other people to Jesus Christ. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that bring many to righteousness as the stars forever. You want to shine like a star? Bring people to Jesus Christ. It's the best thing that you can ever do. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, there are so many more things that I'd love to tell them. But Lord, they need to remember some things. They need to remember that they're loved. They need to remember what they've been taught. They need to remember that what they've taught will be attacked. They need to remember to serve you and bring glory to you through the New Testament church. And they need to remember that they don't belong to themselves. If they're saved, and I know these young people are, then they belong to you.